2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I saw a film today. Oh boy. Come on, show. Me. Can I take you out to the picture?
0: Well, hope you come and see me in the movie. What a scene your song. Hello, and welcome to the Beatles Films Podcast. I'm Matt Looker. I'm Ed Williamson. And we have a very special bonus episode for you this week as we had the opportunity to sit down with Mae Pang and talk to her about her brand new film, The Lost Weekend, A Love Story. The documentary is released in cinemas in North America this week and comes out in the UK and Ireland in June. We'll do a full episode on the film to coincide with that release, but we have already seen it and it's very interesting. Uh, Really interesting, right? It's very interesting, yeah. I think uh, it might ruffle the old feather. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we will do a deep dive into the film for the UK release, but until then, please enjoy this interview with May Pang. Hello, May. Thanks for coming to our podcast, and congratulations on the film. Well,
2: thank you, thank you. You're one of the few that have seen it so far.
0: <laughs> really, is that right? Yeah. Um, it's a pleasure to, to obviously be able to talk to you about it at all. One of the things we wanted to ask you first off was: there's a tagline for the film on the poster, which says that it is a love story that took 50 years to tell. So, how does it feel for you now to finally be able to tell that story, and for to have that story reach uh, an audience?
2: You know, it's it's. It's almost surreal for me because it's been so long. You know, people kept saying, um, oh, I can't believe that actually happened. You know, I've heard all that stuff before. And finally, putting it, putting it out is um, it's really cathartic in, in lots of ways. You know, you're, you're, it, it gives me that breathing room all of a sudden. I said, oh, God. And then a lot of my friends who, um, who had been around me were so thrilled That I finally got a chance to to tell the story. I've for years have um, stayed away from it only because I just didn't feel it was the right time. I didn't, I just didn't feel it. And um, somewhere about five, six years ago, I just said, you know what, it's time. It's time because I, I started to see my own story being told by other people that were not correct. And guess what? You want to be the one to tell the story. They weren't there. I was, you know.
0: So it was you that instigated the making of the film in the first place. And that was a question I had. So, yeah. how did that come about? How did you find the right filmmaker to then translate your story to, to screen?
2: Well, years ago, um, I, was, I was friends and I was contacted by Eve Branstein, who is one of the. This film is so unusual. It has three uh, co producer directors. And uh, Eve Branstein was the first, and she. Um, we became friends, she wanted to do a film about me way back when in the n- 90s, actually, on my book. And I said, no, nah, I didn't want to do it. So, But we remained friends and over the years, she would come back and forth from LA to New York. And uh, this time in New York, we decided to have dinner and, and I said, what are you doing now? And she says, oh, I'm working on uh, women's uh, plays. I direct them. And I said, oh, that's great. She goes, I also work on documentaries. And just at that split moment, didn't even think I turned around. And I said, that's what I want to do. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I want to make a documentary. It's time I want to do. She goes, are you sure? I said, yeah, now I want to do documentary. I said, but it'd be on my life rights, not on my, you know, not on the book. Cause you know, the book is just stuck where, where it is. I want it a little bit more, you know, wide open to it. And so, um, she then contacted richard kaufman who's uh who makes films uh, you know and different things and trailers and uh, and then he said wait a minute hold on i'm going to get somebody else this guy Stuart samuels who is an archivist and he was the one that was working on that ron howard film the eight days a week you know the the beatles touring years and uh, mm-hmm. he was an associate producer on that and he and uh, richard goes have you ever heard of may bang <laughs> because that's not Richard's forte, in the music business. <laughs> so he said, of course I have, you know, and because let's talk to her. And uh, that's how it began, like, you know, six years ago, something like that. So um, wow. that's Yeah, it's not an overnight thing. It, it, it has taken this long. And, and um, I kept my hands off of the the filming of it. I told him I did not want to. Yeah, I know people would say, you end up micromanaging and it doesn't come off well. I've seen it on other people's films. You don't want to be doing, I don't like the way my hair looks, and then you start saying, I'm not doing this, you know, and <laughs> as you were just saying, or I don't think I look great, and I don't think this is good, and I just didn't want to do that. I wanted more of a, an unbiased look at this than, than coming from me. So everything was done. Um, you know, but presumably
0: there. there was a um, involvement on your part to provide some of the unreleased materials that oh. make their way into the film.
2: Yes. I mean, they asked me, what did I have? And obviously I provided things for them. Um, you know, that's as much. But, you know, when it came to the the shooting, the, the putting the, the storyline together, they would come back to me to be sure it was correct. All that and they shaped the whole film for me and then but if obviously if i didn't like something i would then say something if it was really wrong or not it was not you know uh, a thing that fit it with the storyline then i'd say yeah but it was practically zip on that one you know so um there wasn't a whole lot of uh, argument from me on any on any level <laughs> so that was always good the only time i actually saw the film in a, on, uh, you know, in one in sequence was just before I did the, na- you know, the narrative to it. When you hear my voice, I had not seen the film. So I only saw it in bits and pieces at that moment. And I had no idea because they needed my, my voice for certain scenes. And then when we were finally doing the final, they said, uh, I think, I guess we have to show you the film. I said, I guess so, you know, and, and they did <laughs> uh, so that I can have some understanding what I'm saying. You know with the with the narrative and uh but they were great and so uh we did that
1: it's it's an interesting approach sort of doing it that way around uh especially when it's your it's your story it's very much your story this film and so i to be honest i'd sort of presumed that the uh the narration was maybe one of the first things to happen because it kind of informs the way the film moves along but no, you just it just plugged it in at the end basically
2: right no well (laughs) the whole thing is that um i had i had a i've been interviewed by them and then they shape the story, but you know, then when they're shooting it, you need the bits and pieces to, you know, my voice to go over some of the lines, and those that was like, you know, the the you know a draft on that whole level until, till the final bit when they finally says, okay, now we have the film intact, as it were, um, you know, for the for an hour and a half, and I got to see it, you know, now straight through and now be able to tell the story. With a little more understanding, what I was reading, you know, I'd be saying, "Well, oh, where is this line from?" You know, so it was good.
0: <laughs> that that last scene, as well, is such a lovely grace note to end the film on. Yes, uh, With thank you, you and Julian, I wondered what his thoughts were when he was first approached, presumably by yourself, to be included in the movie.
2: Yes, I did. Um, I did contact him and I asked him, and um, he there was no hesitation. He said, "Of course, I'd do it." Um, it was, it was something that, uh, you know, you know, I'm always hesitant to ask people to do anything, you know, um, uh, but I was very, you know, I was very close to his mother and he was a big part of, of my time with John. So that is definitely, um you know, one of those things. And I was very thrilled that he that he said yes.
0: It's a it's, There's a lovely moment in the film. Uh, it, it really pays off, I think. Uh, it was, it's, it's nice to have that inclusion in there. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was the very first scene in the film is you on the chat show being asked about, I guess, a criticism that you're being asked to address at the time, which was, do you think that members of the public might think you're just trying to capitalise on John Ellen's fame and and you answer very gracefully at that time saying that you just want to be able to tell your story. That felt like it was intentionally preempting this film in its in its entirety. Do you think that was the case?
2: Um, you know, it probably, you know, it over the years, that's the only thing anybody ever talks about. It's you're doing it for the money. I, I don't think I've ever seen, um, you know, an interviewer to anyone in that type of situation, where I was, God, are you sure you're not doing it for the money? And it's always that type of thing that comes right. up. And if it was, boy, uh, I, I, I don't know. I lost out somewhere because I didn't see anything over the years. I've, <laughs> I've been working all these years, you know, and and then uh, so I don't know. I didn't find that pot of gold at the end, you know, of the rainbow. Uh, but it is to tell the story. Uh, it is to tell my side because I didn't. I didn't have the um, quote, the money as other people would, and they could have the narrative, they can change whatever they want. They have the party line. I don't, I didn't have that. So I can only rely on the truth of what actually happened back then. And that's why I went out there because I know this is one of the uh, puzzle pieces uh, of the, of, of John's life that everybody was interested. I mean, I can't tell you how many fans over the years have reached out and said, Oh, When are you going to tell the story? When, when can we see something? Is it going to be on, on television? Or is it going to be on film or whatever? And I've just said, no. And now it was, it was just time. It's this generation that would understand more on film than it is reading a book or anything else. So, um, I took the chance now and it is this year, 50 years. How weird is that? Yeah. I mean, and I started, who would have known that it was going to take me now to really say, Hey, it is 50 (laughs) years, you know, and everybody who wrote, you know, who would say to me, Oh, I've, I know your story. And I said, you do. They said, I've read everything about it now. They don't know if it's true, but again, it's that line these days. You know, if you say it often enough that the lies become the truth. And I think we've all seen that and you say, and then you say, but that's not the truth. So. It was it was my turn, and I I'm the one telling it, not somebody else telling it to me. You know,
0: it's it's really interesting as well because I think as um, obviously big fans of the Beatles themselves, I think that is something that each of the Beatles themselves were always very conscious of and and saying a lot uh, themselves. They always wanted to be in control of their own narrative, so it uh, obviously makes sense that by extension you'd feel the same way. How did did you feel any sense of importance then when you were doing this this film that you were plugging the gaps in the knowledge that those fans were have been asking you for over the years you know yeah. I, I realize it's a very personal story for you but did you feel like almost like there was a responsibility there or how much of that might have informed the shaping of the film
2: that was a lot because it is you know when you see uh, the misinformation that goes out there and all the 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 the, um, the stuff that goes out and you, you're saying that's not how it happened. You know, after a while, you start saying it and you go, oh, God, here we go again. That's not the truth. That's not the way it happened. So to me, this was uh, an important storyline to finally get the, the truth out, The you know, through my, through my eyes, through the way it happened to me, not, not to them. I mean, I've had more stories told by people and, and by other people saying, oh, I heard from so-and-so and they told me how they were at this thing with you. And I'm going, who is that? I don't know them, you know, so it, this has happened just, you know, more and more. So, um, and so it's, it was time to just, you know, put the brakes on and say, okay, it's time to tell the truth and, and, you know, tell the story out.
1: Yeah. It does feel a lot like it's sort of redressing the balance in terms of you having been, uh, sort of sidelined in terms of your significance to John and that, that wider story. Um, Do you you have any feelings about how sort of women have been represented in the the telling of the Beatles story in general?
2: You know, everybody has their I I don't know what their household was like. I know my household was just (laughs) slightly different, even from the one that John had, you know, uh, with Yoko and Cynthia. You know, we we just we all had different households. So I cannot think what Ringo's was like with, you know, with Maureen and then, of course, with Barbara and. and you know and everybody else they they've he's gone out with or paul and his wives and and george and and, you know what was going on there um i can only say that we all have our different stories and we all have our different viewpoints here but i think when it came to for me and i can only talk about me is is what happened with me and john but if if people really look at everything, I know it's it, it was a weird time, and it was like, oh, you know, Yoko sent me off. It wasn't exactly that, you know. It was because John actually pursued me in the end, and that was the reason that it, it changed, it pivoted, because whatever she was doing, and she wanted, and I was like, I'm not having this. This is like ridiculous, and I was ready to think about maybe I should quit because I'm not, I'm not wanting this. The situation, but it was John who came after me at the end, and it was he and um, and his decision to go to Los Angeles for a break, not to move there, but just to have a break from what was going on in New York, just so that we could have room to breathe and and have a relaxation, and then later on, you know, all the different crazy people that showed up in our lives, you know, from Harry Nielsen to Phil Spector and. Um, you know, and what was it, whatever was happening at that moment in time. And it was great to have Julian come visit um, for the first time in several years. So it was.
1: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation.
0: It seems quite clear, especially now in this day and age, that, you know, the the various Beatles estates are very protective of the Beatles legacy and want to be careful about, I guess, uh, anything strained from the narrative they want to present. I wondered whether or not you were aware of any resistance to the film being made and being released over your time working on it. Were you aware of there being any potential objections or is that not?
2: That didn't happen with me. No, that didn't happen. Um, no, I didn't have any, you know, but knocking on my door and saying, you can't do it. Um, everything, everything was, it was just done. Um, you know, and I was told, you know, by, by people too, he says, you know, you're allowed, I, since I'm a first person, I'm allowed to tell my story. This is not, um, I, I heard type of thing. So I'm the first sure. person involved and, and everything, the storyline that we are talking about was involving me. So. There's the they, I think that's the, yeah I think that's the difference than somebody you know who Joe uh, Schmo saying oh you know I was there and you go who are you again I say that because it's <laughs> happened to me so many times.
0: Um, you mentioned Harry Nilsson, uh, obviously the Hollywood vampires. I didn't realize until seeing the films that you were the only sober person at the table <laughs> during those times. What was that like?
2: Uh, a bit strange. I was called by some of the um, uh, a couple of female maybe one really, uh, where they thought I was Miss Goody Two shoes because I didn't drink, I didn't take drugs, I didn't partake in any of it. Uh as it's funny because being the youngest out of that group, I was also feeling I was the oldest in that group because I was managing everybody <laughs> else's life. Um and it 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 just felt like that. I know a lot of people. So when you see Coca-Cola pictures and you see Coca-Cola, uh, the bottles in those days, it not even cans, it was the bottles. Um, they're mine. That's what I was drinking. That was my choice of drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you the designated driver most of the time then. Oh,
2: <laughs> it was, You know, it was great when we were back in the states. When we were back in New York, and you know, we had the car. We had this car, and we go out to visit. John was so thrilled at the fact that. I would be the one driving. There's just the two of us. There wasn't, he he didn't go for the limos and all that. I mean, he understood it, like if we're going to an opening, that's different. But you know, on the daily basis, he, he'd rather not deal with that, you know? And of course I took him on a New York City bus ride uh, one Saturday morning and he was so shocked. And all these people are sitting on the bus, getting on the bus and they see him, they're going, and you can hear the whispering, they're going, is that John? <laughs> no it can't be yes no i'm telling you i think it is and then john is sitting there going like this with his finger holding onto his face and he's going it's the nose it's giving it away it's the nose and, <laughs> and then somebody finally yelled out and said hey john how are you doing and he goes fine and he turned to me it's time to get off the bus and i so, you know. <laughs> it's crazy
0: i i I, one of the great things about the um the film is uh, when it presents those shots of you and john and i think your trip to vegas and your time after that where there are just some really candid shots of him meeting members of public like you say uh and I, i always feel like in the beatles documentaries i'm never too sure what has been already released and what hasn't but it feels like there are some moments there that just feel like they are sort of intimately captured moments that this film is presenting for the first time is that
2: true a lot of yes a lot of people haven't seen those photos they were they were from my you know they're they're my home uh photographs that you know john loved to to let me take he liked he liked my eye when i would capture him i mean he was an easy subject obviously for me um but uh he never liked photographs taken by other photographers he just felt uh, uneasy. He says, I'm not, I'm not happy. I look too fat. I look, you know, he was always making a comment and um, you know, the, he liked one photographer named David Garr, uh, you know, who's no longer with us, but it was some beautiful black and whites. So he says that he goes, that man's crazy. I said, I know. Cause he would just be yelling and it was an older man. And he was just, come on, John, you got to do this. And we're in the middle of the street and he's like taking these photos and uh, he liked his photographs the best. Uh, you know that wasn't from me; it was him. And then I've been very fortunate to be in a position to take photos that nobody else had captured. You know, the last good photo of John and Paul together, or um, the the where I also took a photograph of John in mid signature uh, with the dissolution of the Beatles. The last photographs. I mean, who? I mean, who would have thought? I'm, and people have asked me. Well, did i not witness history and i'm thinking this was every day for me and i didn't think about history it was like okay you <laughs> want me to take a photograph fine and i would take it i walk away and so it <laughs> wasn't about the history it was more like okay he wants me to take photographs let me just do something here you know
0: they're just incredible in the film though they really bring to life the, the massive contribution you've made in documenting some of this these really important parts of the uh the, you know the cultural history that comes along with the beatles
2: you know and i didn't think about that yeah until you know when people start talking about it and i said oh i guess i guess i have you know but uh i'm glad <laughs> i did let's put it that
1: way if it, it feels like you're it, not just john but you know you've also been in rooms with Paul and Ringo and George. There's a bit in in the film about George inviting you to the Dick Cavett show, which which I hadn't realized. Did you have a sort of a friendship with George at the time?
2: Well, you know, it wasn't. I had met George a couple of times. In fact, he was um, he was at he was in the offices when before I worked for for John and Yoko. I was at the office in New York, and uh, he mm. was. You know, I had met him then. He had brought his All Things Must Pass um, album to be. Um, what was it to be mastered in New York for the U.S. release, and um, yep. he was he was whenever he saw anybody in the halls or anything, he was just very kind, very sweet, and um, you know. And, and I got in a sense, I guess I got friendly with him, so he recognized me a couple of times d- during all this. You know, back then, I mean, he really was uh, a very nice. Um, genuine person. And he was very happy that it was me that was with John. It was really, I, you know, didn't even think about that. But, you know, he actually said to John, because I'm just glad she's with you. And I was just taken yeah. aback by that. And because, um, you know, I'm surprised. I, I don't I never think about somebody making a comment like that. And and thinking, oh, wow. Okay. You know, and he even said that to John is, yeah, I'm glad she's with you. You know, and he's pointing with his <laughs> finger
1: like this. <laughs> it's a nice comment, though, because actually, that seems to be in sort of the film, and also the uh, the books I've read, there's lots and lots of people who uh, spent time with you and John in that period seemed to observe in him that he felt uh, very relaxed, just sort of very enjoying other people's company. Did it did it sort of see, seem that way to you that they were they all were the time? Thinking, oh, this is nice. This is, yeah, it feels good. You know,
2: his our house was an open house. And I just will say that that was that was my policy. You know, you know, Paul and Linda showed up one day and we had no idea they even knew where we lived. Never mind. Back in the city, you know, you know, John's answering the door and he goes, You won't believe who's downstairs. And I said, Who? He goes, Paul and Linda. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and so he says, What should we do? I said, What do you mean what should we do? He should come up. <laughs> they should come up. They're your friends. He said, Can you handle it? And I said, What do you mean? There's nothing to handle. So They came up and they were uh, constant visitors to our place every time they were in New York. Um, Mick Jagger was another one all the time that was at our house. So, you know, they would come up and, you know, have a meal. You know, we had a very small we did not live palatially like, you know, we didn't have the Dakota look. You know, we had (laughs) this one little flat and, you know, it's maybe uh, no bigger than 800 square feet. 900 which is very tiny it's only a one bedroom and what we did was we took our our main room the living room had we bought this bed which i still have to this day and we just used that as the sofa our sleep in our everything and and two little director's chair and we used the the bedroom we bought a, um, a settee over there and we let that be julian's room when he would come so that would be his so he had a place to stay
0: and did you, um, uh, when, when you had those like, sort of frequent visits and even you know Paul and, and Linda, were you able to continue a friendship with them, uh, even you know, when you're even after when your relationship with John ended?
2: Yeah, I did see them after. I saw, in fact, I saw, um, I saw uh, Paul about five years ago, whatever it was, about there five years, six, six years ago, when he came through town and he was playing at the Barclay Center, and I. I saw him there. Uh, went to say hello to him. Hadn't seen him in a while. Um, obviously, I hadn't seen George. Uh, uh, I saw him maybe once or twice. So I met a, a concert in uh, in England, and he was at the same concert. Maybe it was a Dylan concert. It was in London. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. And Ringo, I kept seeing every so often, you know, over the years. But I hadn't seen any of them now. In a in a number of years,
0: I, uh, I I wondered. At the moment, it feels like we're on the wave of another resurgence of popularity in the Beatles, partly informed by the release of Get Back. I yeah. wondered if you have found time to see that yet, and if you did, what you made of it.
2: I I just think that uh, Get Back was good, you know. And um, you know, when you when you look at what it was like with Let It Be, and then you go to Get Back, I think putting it together there's something in the middle i don't you know it's it's one to the other i think you know when you have two different things coming from the same time period and they're a little well big difference between the first one which is very somber to the second one which is very happy something's got to be in the middle somewhere i don't know where but you know it's got (laughs) to be there i just don't know and i think um for whatever there's always the story to be told. I mean, there's you know it it goes it goes both ways. We we did the pendulum swing, left to the right. We need the center, and I guess we could all figure it out.
0: <laughs> you uh, mentioned a lot, and obviously it's a key focus of the film. This idea of redressing the balance and correcting misconceptions uh, about yourself and your relationship with John. What would you say the biggest misconception there is that still exists about either yourself and and of John?
2: Oh. That Yoko, probably one was the biggest, was that, that John never uh, saw Yoko. Uh, we, she called us anywhere up to 10, 15 times a day. Um, we had seen her when we were in New York, we would see her. Uh, that the, the other myth was, you know, that John went back after the Elton John concert, you know, in, in Madison Square Garden and, it not true because if you look at the timeline, we went to George's concert, we went down to, to Florida with with Julian for you know um, for the Christmas holiday and then we came back and we were about to buy a house out in uh, you know in, in Montauk in New York. So there's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions there. So there's there's more I'm sure but those are the things I could think of at this moment. Oh yes, one big one. It was not a weekend even though we call it the lost weekend it is not a weekend
0: i feel like that must have been uh, bugging you for a long long time
2: well you know you got to think about that i'm sure <laughs> you know i always tell people this but you you know john loved you why would you have to tell people and i said well let me put it this way does it bug me yes because i don't want people to say that didn't happen so if you don't stick up for yourself and you don't say say it, who else is going to do it for you, right? So I always tell the story, like, if you created something, and you were the one that did it, but somebody else takes the, the credit for it, how do you feel? And they said, Well, I wouldn't like it. I said, Well, there you go. It's the same idea. Somebody else mm-hmm. has taken the credit for everything that I've done, or I wasn't there. So you know, you want to be able to correct that for the, for the history, for the history buffs, especially on the Beatles.
0: And I, I think the um, obviously it's longer than a weekend. I yeah. think in my mind it was always closer to a year, but obviously this film—oh,
2: it's over a year. It was over a year.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, closer to eighteen months. Uh, it seems to the film. Yeah, and and also the film goes on to say that it suggests that also that you were still keeping contact with John even after that period.
2: Yes, that's true. We saw each other in the last within fi- last five years. Oh, absolutely.
0: And what was that relationship like at that point?
2: It was really tough because we we never reconciled in uh, our situation. It was really left in a, even though it sounded like it ended, it wasn't really an end. And so as I, you know, it, it's it, uh, and of course now it's, it ended because of the situation. So it's, um, it was, it was really tough. So we saw each other. I spoke to him um, in 1980. He called me from South Africa to say yeah. hello. <laughs> And trying he said, you know, <laughs> no, he said hello and then it was let's see how we can figure out how to, to see each other. I know that, that we never it, it never finished. Our you know, there was no closure for us.
1: That, that's something I really got the sense of towards the end of the film because the bit there's the bit where you where you, where you're clearly a bit emotional about it. And um I got the sense that you felt like you hadn't had closure on that on that relationship.
2: No, there definitely was not closure. Um It was, it was tough. And that, you know, you take a deep breath and now you just have to go with it. And again, here we are 50 years later telling the story and this is where it began 50 years ago. Mm. So we start with mind games and here we are, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I got, I got the sense that even after all that time and after then, you know, and then you, and then you married Tony Visconti and you had, and you had two children, but even, even now it's still, it's it's quite raw, it seems to me, you know, those memories.
2: Because it's never, it, there's no closure in this one. And there's no, yeah. people are, you know, every day I hear, I'll hear number nine dream, I'll hear my voice, I'll hear songs that, you know, so things that were written for me, or I hear little quips that that happened during my time. A lot of people don't realise so much in that time frame that John and I were together, we hung out with people, we were in recording studios, and when they read about it, that period of time was was with me and it's it's never forgotten that's such a big moment
0: and, and, and presumably every christmas as well because oh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> every single <laughs> uh, goes about saying uh, listen thank you so much for giving us your time to come on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and congratulations again on the film good luck with its release
2: oh thank you and i i know it's going to be somewhere in june uh for everybody in the uk because i keep getting all the when is it going to come here you know so i keep getting it from the fans uh soon soon just a little longer for you guys you know thank you we're
0: the lucky ones we've you know we're ahead of the curve you
2: are absolutely (laughs) the head of the curve is true thank you
0: thank you
1: again thank you mate
0: so there we go that was a nice talking to May, wasn't it
1: I think it was I think, um, I think we made a new friend yes new Beatles friend we've
0: <laughs> added her to a contact list and we have her phone number forever now <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoyed that special episode uh, and the interview with May Uh, Just a quick note, if you like what you heard today and you actually want to go back and listen to some of our other episodes that we've recorded in the past, we've covered all of the major Beatles films releases. We've got episodes on Backbeat, Yesterday, Nowhere Boy, as well as two-parters on the actual official Beatles films themselves, like Help and Magical Mystery Tour. Otherwise, please feel free to leave us a review uh, or a five-star rating on your podcast listening platform of choice. Uh, And feel free to follow us on social media. We are at Beatles Films Pod on all of the usual places. Until next time, we will see you again for another episode next week. Thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: Goodbye.